SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. With the average age of the first-time home buyer in South Africa being around the age 36, it's clear that young adults may be struggling to raise funds for a deposit on a home purchase or may be nervous about making such a big financial commitment. Sound familiar? Well, many parents wish they could help their adult children get a foot onto the property ladder Of course, getting onto the property ladder is one of the most important financial investments one can make. Although the jury is out in some circles if whether or not property is in fact an investment. With interest rates at a historic low, currently sitting at 7% now, now may be one of the better times, if not the best times, to buy that property. Colin from Better Bond, he's a sales manager in the Western Cape region, is going to give us if you like, some industry secrets, after which there will be no more industry secrets in terms of getting your children financially savvy so that they can drop the mean age from 36, maybe to 30. Colin, good evening. Good evening, Songezo. Thank you very much for your time. Certainly. It sounds familiar. 36, buying property for the first time. I fit in squarely in that bracket. It could yes. have happened earlier, but of course, you know, the nerves are there, job stability, Commitments yes, at a social level, it just delays what hopefully for many does become the inevitable. How can we change this narrative? Yes, definitely. I think um, what we've seen over the last few months, definitely even uh, through COVID, is that, uh, yes, the age is at 36, that's the average age, but even that has come down probably in the last year, year and a half from from average age of 38. So there are already younger people getting into the market. And I think the the very low interest rates, the lowest it's been in 50, 55 years, um, is definitely driving that and driving a lot of uh, the first-time buyers coming into the market now over the last sort of uh, nine to 12 months. Um, I think some of the some of the aspects um, would be for parents to try and help their children getting into the market uh, by potentially buying, you know, with a with a child. Uh, if the income is not there, to boost that, that sort of income level uh, and then also possibly get you into buying a, a slightly better or bigger property. The conversation that is topical, certainly in some circles, is that part of the curriculum, education curriculum, ought to change. For instance, not everybody is going to be a math practitioner through the STEM programs, but certainly everybody should be in a position to understand the value of interest, both in terms of credit and debit facility. In other words, you're paying off money and you should understand what interest will do for you. Not good. But if you are investment, you should know what interest will do for you. Very good. And these conversations around money, insurance, learning trades and skills was a conversation we previously just had. Surely some of the skills that people are picking up along the way, probably for the first time encountering only at tertiary going forward, really should be basic education as early as primary. Yes, I think that conversation has been going for a while now in, in the education system. Um, you know, what, what else should, should kids be learning at school about how to operate an account, how to open a credit card, you know, when you buy your first car, what does vehicle finance look like? And I think our home loan fits into that uh, perspective as well. Um, as you say, after school, education, university, college, whatever, you know, some of these things are touched on. But uh, by then it might be too late or, or, or you could have laid the ground rules already. It's not 
you know, this is, these are not complicated things, but I think it is important that uh, at as, as early a stage as possible for anybody to, to understand what your commitments are going to be when you finance a vehicle, when you finance a home, um, you know, what does that interest mean? Um, you know, we work in markets from, from, from the highest to the lowest, and, and interest rates are different for different people in different sectors um, of the market. Some people care what the interest rates are. Some people don't. You know, they just want to own that property and get into the, get into the property market. The differentiation as it pertains to interest rate, why is that? I mean, I'm, I don't think you meant that, but this is what I understood from that, yes. that certain people for certain things in certain backgrounds enjoying certain demographics may, for the same thing, be charged differently. That is not something which the industry wants to embrace readily. In fact, it's something it wishes and must disassociate itself with. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and interest rates are driven by, by the client, by the client's profile and, and exactly what we spoke about uh, a few seconds ago, uh, being educated as to what does it mean to have a particular interest rate? What does it mean to have an account, um, you know, to pay that account on a regular basis? What, what happens if I default? What happens if I don't pay? Or if, if I pay two or three days late, later than I'm supposed to pay? How does that affect my, my credit record? And then how does that affect when I actually want credit, when I buy that vehicle, when I buy that house, when I open that credit card, how is that going to affect my, my interest rate? Um, so, so it's largely driven by the client, the client portfolio, the client profile, uh, not really anything else in demographic as to where you live or where you stay or, or where you work. It's really, um, you know, how good a client are you from a credit perspective? What is your portfolio and your profile look like when, when you hit the bank systems and they're scoring you to see what is that credit score and, and how can they uh, then charge you a rate based on that. I, I do want to probe this. This is probably not your challenge that you have to deal with or not something particularly you would have prepared for, but I do, I, I do think it is relevant in the broader conversation of making sure that we make financially savvy conversations and understand the inner workings of the industry. In the United States, there's this convention called redlining. In other words, if you live in a particular suburb, it means you're of a particular race or demographic, sometimes even gender. Therefore, your interest rate cannot be below a certain amount and if you come from a more affluent suburb and you are of a particular race usually white in the united states your interest rates cannot be higher than a certain amount in other words it's a continuation of the class disparities and social engineering is that something that south africa can confidently say it is over or are there such remnants in the financial services industry albeit it's not going to be called redlining but they will find creative ways to effectively establish and keep the same process I can quite confidently say that we don't have that in South Africa. Um, it definitely is not uh, the case here. Uh, we deal with, with thousands of applications of home loans uh, on a monthly basis, and we definitely don't see that. It is a, it's a case-on-case basis. It's a client-on-client basis. Um, and and your, your credit profile and how you conduct your credit worthiness is, is the key factor that's going to drive what interest rates you are going to get. We mm. see phenomenal interest rates for varied clients in the market, and it's really driven about how are you conducting your accounts, when are you paying them, are you paying them on time, and you can get interest rates uh, of prime, slightly below prime, 
slightly above prime. It really depends from client to client. If you are a, a client with a poor credit record, then yes, you may get an interest rate um, above prime. That can definitely happen. Um, but again, companies like us, bond originators, we go out there and try and shop around for you for the best interest mm-hmm. rate possible mm-hmm. anyway. So, so don't put all your eggs in one basket and go to one financial institution. Rather shop around and how much better than having somebody do it for you uh, completely free of charge as well. Very well. Let's talk about credit worthiness because people try and not owe anybody anything because they want to manage their affairs. And I suppose their thinking is right. But when it comes to being assessed, not having a credit score has the antithetical effect of you cannot be judged, therefore you are seen as high risk. So how does one build a credit worthiness that works for one? Look, I mean, there, there are many things here. So there will be people that will be out there and say, open an account. You know, at the very least, most people in South Africa have got a cell phone account. So there is some sort of uh, record there. But but most people say, open an account, make sure you're paid on a monthly basis, and this builds up your, your credit record. Again, using somebody like us, uh, a bond origination company, uh, we motivate those things. We, we have many clients who come to us with, with very low or no credit score because they've got no or very few accounts. Um, again, part of our process, part of what we do, it's not just simply a case of putting an application together, sending it into the bank and sitting back and waiting. Uh, our biggest um, uh, job in, in, in what we do is motivating, is arbitrating, is fighting for the client to get the best deal uh, and to and to talk to the banks about those things, you know. Um, yes, the credit score is not high, but these are the reasons. You can see the client has got no, um, you know, credit, and and therefore is is better off for it. Most people in those situations also pay rent, um, so we can use that as a, as an example of um, mm-hmm. conduct and people paying uh, their accounts. And of course, the conversations that take place or do not take place at home in the first place build a sense of behavioral changes or adaptations such that one can build the sort of credit worthiness. At times, it's not often a comfortable conversation, more especially in a lot of South African homes now when the financial fortunes have changed, brought about a rising unemployment and COVID and challenges inherent to South African homes. That conversation can't be too easy to have now, is it? Yes, no, definitely. I mean, as you say, rightfully, um, even within the within the family, that conversation can be a difficult conversation. Um, and and we have instances where we would do an application for husband and wife, and the one doesn't really know what the other one's credit record looks like until we we submit a home loan application. So, yes, those, those conversations can be interesting and and can be uncomfortable in some situations. But if again, if there is any issues on a on a credit profile, it's a conversation we're happy to have with a client and try and help them and try and steer them in the right direction as to you know how to fix it if necessary and if we can't fix it now immediately what do you do to prepare yourself in the next six to twelve months so that you can again try and, and get into the property market and, and buy. Let's talk about those relationships and those family setups that at least are comfortable in having these conversations. There are many ways, if you like, to cheat the system or to take advantage of the system or taking advantage of pooled funds, taking advantage of doing something early so that your exposure is less. 
or doing something with a different buyer for the purposes of ensuring that, for instance, I could buy something on behalf of my sibling whose credit score might not be great, but because I've already built up a credit score, I've got a higher income capacity, therefore I might get a more favorable, if you like, loan or whatever credit facility. How does that work out? Why is that a good idea? Or what should be one of the things one should be aware of, not as to fall into a trap that they wouldn't have intended? Yes. I think uh, I think with all sort of all, all agreements like this is to is to have maybe an understanding of who's responsible for what part of the transaction. Uh, if you are the person in your scenario who's going to be buying the property and uh, you can buy it on your own, uh, you know you will then be the owner. Uh, and and the people who you are buying it for might then have certain rights, and you might want to put that down in writing to make sure that uh, a bit further down the line, everybody understands where we are in the current situation. If you're looking to buy with somebody, uh, then you'll be co-owners, whatever that percentage of co-ownership might be. Automatically, it will be 50-50, but this could be this could be changed to a 90-10 or 70-30 or 60-40, depending on on how you want to arrange that. But even in that scenario, uh, to have the uh, maybe a side agreement, for lack of a better word, um, to to just explain or, or, or jot down who's responsible for what. So who's paying the bond? Who's paying the the rates and taxes? Who's fixing the property if anything is required? Um, to to you know, with respect to that, um, I think it's it, I think it's important for everybody in a transaction to be covered as much as possible. Uh, you know, you're looking at things like insurance as well, which which people very rarely speak about uh, when when buying property. And I'm talking about life cover. It is important if you buy with somebody that probably all parties should have some kind of life cover as well to just protect the other people who who might be left in the in the transaction. Every person who buys together with another person individually, you are wholly and solely or jointly and severally um, liable for the debt. So should one of the two parties or three or four parties not be able to pay, the others in that, in that transaction will then be liable for that debt. But there then, thank you so much indeed, Mr. Colin Strumpfer, who's the Better Bond Sales Manager in the Western Cape region. Your money tips are certainly most appreciated. Thank you so much for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. CEO, sorry, sales manager at Better Bond in the Western Cape, Colin Strumpfer. After the break, five minutes with Janine Horn.